Just a heads up, this is a feel-good podcast, but we do talk about some mental health issues. So remember, if you or a mate needs help, please call Lifeline on 13 11 14 and check out our show notes for more helpful resources. Hey there, you're listening to Good Talk Great Mate, a podcast made by young people for young people. Come join us for a chat on the banks of the Namoi River. So sit back and relax. Your mental break starts now. G'day mates, welcome back to part two of our episode with Jake and Ellie. My name is Caitlin Goodsmith and my great mate on the other mark is Mackenzie Jones. Hi there and thanks for joining us. We are recording this from Tim Max FM community radio station in Nabri on Camilleroy Country. Now that you've had the chance to get to know and love Jake and Ellie as much as we do, let's get back into our chat to discover more of their fab tips to feeling good on the inside and out. What's the best, most satisfying part of your job and any examples of kids' development that have stuck with you? Uh, the best part of my job is that is seeing the development in people um, from when they first come in, whether it is at, um, at school doing sport or a client coming in for the first time. I really do have a um, – I really do enjoy doing clients with um, either have disabilities or are stroke victims because – they really do put in the effort and they you know you can see the effort going in each time they come in and when they get something that they have had as a goal for a while and you see it on their face you see the enjoyment because you know we can be quite um you know take our able body quite for granted so when you see a stroke victim come in and you watch them toil and 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 you know really push themselves to get a simple movement as just a bicep curl or something you know it, it's it's awesome to see you know that to see their face same with the with the kids you know when you, you're running a program um swimming is a good one when you see them in the water when you see a kid that literally won't put their face in the water in the first day and then day 10 they're they're confident and not coming to the side and you know when you see that um you know it's really really fulfilling and um you know it makes you want to keep doing it and, and, and that's where i really enjoy my job um, I think the best part of my job is that everything we do, we try and make a difference or we, our goal is that we will make a difference and a positive change for some. Like we did used to do the meal prep, which was great, but it was not, it wasn't a, um, we weren't teaching people anything. We were just giving them a solution. So I think, yeah, the fact that we can tailor our job and our work to give benefit to people every single time we put that into motion is a really good feeling. It doesn't always go that way, yeah. but when it does, it's really, really good. And, like, I've seen, like, such a change in your social media pages, like the content that you put out. It's It changed from you always posting about meals and the nutritional value and the calories and carbs and whatever else it may be in the meals to um, videoing Jake doing, like, workouts or whatever it may be. Like, there's such a shift between showing people – what to do and how to do it to actually going step by step. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think like why we're doing it to encourage other people to be able to do something. That's the biggest thing. I think the reason we, why we do it is we just love helping people and we want to, um, you know, inspire people to, to move more and to eat better um, and to look after their health. Um, and we do that through 
the education. Our biggest thing is to to not only tell or show people what to do, but to to tell them why we do it and why it's important to do it. Um, and I think that's where our point of difference is: is that we, you know, we we don't want to just show you and then you go home and not do it. We want to educate um, the clients or you know the schools, the students on why they're doing the certain things that we're getting them to do and why it's going to benefit them. Yep, that's a really good answer. Um, as we touched on earlier, the last thing people want to do after night on the header during harvest is to go home and eat what they call good old rabbit food. Um, what are some small recipes or snacks that you could offer that could help hardworking people fit it into their regime? Um, well, the best tip is slow-cooked food. Because yeah. you can do it when you're at home. You can do it when you're asleep. If you come home, prepare it, go to sleep, wake up, take it off, it's ready. You can do it in bulk. It's the best for you because of the collagen in the meat and all the nutrients in the meat. So when when you slow cook something, you lose all the nutrients due to the cooking process, but you reabsorb it while it's oh, in there. Yeah. So it's efficiently the, the best way to eat meat, unless you're eating it raw, but let's not do that. No. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I would just say slow cook everything. We eat slow cook food two times a day. All the time. Yeah, literally, because it's so convenient. We have no excuse ever. Like we just, we do it when we're home. If we get home really, really late or have to leave really early, we put it on in the morning or we put it on when we go to sleep. Just sear the meat either side for two minutes, chuck it in the slow cooker, can of tomatoes, go, done. So easy. You don't do anything. You don't, like I probably started doing it because I was time for like everyone. Mm. Like I wanted something in bulk to feed Jake who eats more than any person I've ever met and just to make it quick and easy. I'll tell you that as a compliment. Like I know it's <laughs> I know it's eight hours so it's not quick. Yeah. But you're asleep. Yes. Or you're at work. Like as long as it's safe and you don't burn the house down, go yep. for yeah. it. <laughs> and you can slow cook anything. Anything can go in there. Another I guess question following on from that, do you believe meal prep to be beneficial and what sort of would you do it for a full week or just for a couple of days what do you think is the best way to go about it I do like meal prep and we did do it we used to literally offer that as service the thing I don't like about oh sorry I like it because you've got it there it's ready to go um you know what you're having it probably eliminates um going like via the takeaway shop because you've got your food at home ready to go um, one thing I find an issue with is people then need six hours on Sunday to yeah, get it ready yeah. and they don't want to do that, which I totally understand, which is why I guess I say slow cook because you can, you know, chuck a kilo of meat in and that's for a normal people a few meals, for Jake two meals. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's it's probably a little bit fresher and a little bit easier, even inexpensive. Like, you know, meal prep is great but it can be expensive. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to do it in, in full bulk. I mean, if you were like you were saying for a busy worker, it is really good, but you have to have time to do it. If you're someone that loves cooking on Sundays, absolutely. Yeah. Meal prep for the whole week. Go mad. I really like the idea of meal prepping, but if it was for me, like cooking the same thing for like a week, I, I get so bored. I'd get that. so bored. I need variation. Yeah. Wouldn't be able to eat like the same thing for a fortnight. Yeah. Three meals a day. See, that's like, the thing. Some people just can't do that. Like I have taught myself to do that because I'm just lazy, I yeah. think, with cooking. Like I just – and I know what I want in the value of the food and I know what gives it to me and I've got about 10 things on rotation my whole life. 
But that makes it like if you can have 10 or 12 things on rotation, it doesn't get as sort of mundane. So a lot of people when they do meal prep, they'll literally cook the same three things for the whole time. They won't change it up. So I think if you can have a, a wider range, um, then it, it, you can you can change it up when you're getting sick of it. You can just um, add in some other meals and stuff like that. So That probably goes to the thing of, you know, going full scale all the time, like people yeah. meal prep, they cook the same thing and then they think, oh, that's too hard because mm. they've literally just forced themselves to eat the exact same thing mm. every single meal and it just doesn't work. You could probably do like if you're a creative cook or you like to change up some aspects of your meal, just prepare some of them. Like don't prepare the entire meal, just prepare the difficult bits or, you know, like pre-cut your veggies or pre-cut things like that and have those in containers. Like that takes time out of your weekly nights where you would be cooking. It depends on why you want to meal prep. Like, you know, if you find that you're coming home late and then you think, oh, the entire meal to cook is too much, I'm just going to get takeaway, like cook some of it. Or yeah. cut some of it or, you know, just forward think about what's going to make your life a little bit easier. Like don't force yourself to do something that you just won't do or won't enjoy. Just try and simplify it so you do enjoy it and do do it. Yeah, that's great advice. Congratulations on winning last year's rugby premiership with the Blue Balls, Jake. Can you tell us about how being part of that team has helped you and your mental health? It's been really good. It was a good, good fun year. Um, I haven't actually played for the two years leading up to it, so I haven't really been around. Um, so it was really good to get around um, get around the boys and get around the club again. Um, it's massive for your mental health. Um, I think when you can, you know, socialise with friends um, and family, you know, it, it's going to boost your mood, it's going to boost your emotions, you're going to feel happier. Um, so it definitely is. And, and the club over there, you know, it's a terrific club. Everyone gets around each other. So, you know, it's, it's a really good, fun place to be um, going there. Tuesday and Thursday and Saturdays for a lot of us, you know, it's it's a good outing because as I said, we've had the, the two years of COVID where rugby wasn't happening and um, you don't sort of realise how much that was your social outing and to see everyone. So, um, you know, it, it's very important. Um, just touching on that again, do you feel because our region thrives off socialising, this positively benefits everyone in that aspect? Yes and no. It does um, seeing everyone and stuff like that. I think... Um, the other downside to it is then obviously the rugby involves a lot of drinking um, and that is probably an, can be a negative effect, um, especially with the consumption can, can be. Um, so I would say definitely more positive, but that would be something that is, um, you know, and it's like that for any country sport, you know, a lot of it is the social outing, but it's always – um, what comes after it? What comes after it, which which you know isn't really a healthy thing and a healthy thing that we should be sort of normalising. But it is, and you know it, it is good. You know it's good to get around, but it is something I think that we should be as said aware of, and that just comes down to individuals. Yeah, and it is like such a classic culture out here. Like everything you do, you drink or you smoke or yeah, exactly it, because it involves like everyone that you hang out with and who you're influenced by. And exactly. And yeah, you're a, a point of difference if yeah. you're not doing it. Yeah, Absolutely. that's the thing. It is, you know, you, you're a bit of a, um, you get that look when, when you say no. It's sort of like, what? Um, so I yeah, think what's that, wrong with him? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that that um, is probably the downside of it, I would say. Um, that, but as I said, that just goes to, to probably people being more aware and if they don't want to do it, um, ensuring that there's no sort of pressure coming from yeah. any of the, um, players or club or anything like that, which 
there really isn't. The, the, the rugby club's really good in that sense. So, yeah, I'd say that's a positive and negative. I think a really important thing to have going into situations like that is all something that we should work on is our confidence in ourselves. Mm-hmm. Like if you're if you're really insecure about something, you tend to drink with the drinkers because you're worried about what they might think or what they might say. Like, oh, what if I don't get invited if I don't drink mm-hmm. on that occasion? And I went through that at um, like at a younger age, probably up until I was like 25. Like it's just something that I learnt to grow through over time. Like we actually did a 60-day challenge during the rugby season and uh, it had lots of things in it, but one of them was no alcohol. Our closest friends, who we love dearly, were just annoyed. Like, they, you know, they were really supportive, but they were, you know, is that over yet or are you going to have a beer yet or something? And they were like they were not saying it to be judgmental. They were saying it because probably we probably are more fun if we're drinking with them or if we're not going home at 7.30 and, you know, staying out till the pub closes. So you do have to take a hit in maybe not getting invited somewhere or not being the life of the party or not being at the party at all. But I guess, you know, if you have a bit of self-confidence and you are doing it because you really want to do it, you just push through it. Like I don't remember now the events I missed and they don't remember them because they were drunk. So, you know, you just... You learn to get through what I think. But, it, yeah, drink, it's massive drinking culture out here. I think it's probably a part of why we do what we do in this community because it's really needed to advocate for some other yep. things other than drinking all the time. Yep. Yeah, but it's not, it's not just in the country. Though. The, sport, the sporting in Australia is a massive drinking culture, you know, where all the top teams are sponsored by beer. Um, you know, you, you see them in the sheds after it, you know, drinking beer and all that sort of stuff. So it's not... Um, just a country thing it's it's just the way that Australian sport is it's always been brought up of playing hard on the field and then enjoying a few few beers after it so I think that's Australian culture like going to work and then having a beer after work it's a treat yeah it is a treat yeah Yeah. and we drink like don't get me wrong we drink alcohol Um, we just don't do it all the time I guess like anything like you know we do it if we feel like we want to do it and then we don't do it if we don't feel like we want to do it. And, like, coming back to that pressure thing, like, obviously vaping is such a big thing nowadays. Like, Caitlin and I, speaking, like, on behalf of me, we've gone to parties and people are like, oh, do you want one? And we're like, no. And then they just like, oh, why not? Like, you suck. Like, why won't you? They're still our friends. It's but it's air. That's going to kill you. <laughs> yeah. Like, you're not cool. <laughs> yeah. It's, Same um, with smoking, I guess. I think when people come back at you, that's their defence yeah, mode because yeah. they're worried about – like people love for you to do what they're doing yep. to make them feel like they're doing the yeah. right thing. And don't get me wrong, like I love trying new things, but if there's severe consequences to it like that, then it's like, well, I'd rather my life than be hooked up to a ventilator. And then a like, little plastic thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think they cost a bomb. They do, yeah. yeah. It's – um, yeah, the vaping, I, I just – I can't get over the vaping. The vaping mm. is – Outrageous! They everyone vapes everywhere, and it's like smoking was like smoking. People would go away to smoke because yeah. obviously the, the you had the areas yeah. and you could smell it on people. And that. Whereas vaping, because it doesn't smell that much, people just vape everywhere. Yeah. Like it is just crazy. I just can't get over it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I is exactly what Ellie says. If you're confident with yourself, um, 
you know, you can make those decisions to not do it. And I think that's where it comes through. It just comes from that confidence from yourself, knowing that um, you might not be the, the favourite person at the party, um, but, you know, who cares? Yeah. Um, how can you encourage more members of the youth to join sport, even if it is for socialisation? I think what needs to happen is they need something to aspire to. Um, I've had a conversation about the cricket in Narrabri. It's it, it's really falling off. The young generation need to see someone that they want to play like or a team that, you know, like, for example, the Blue Boars is really good. You know, you get the young guys wanting to play for the Blue Boars. Um, so I think there needs to be a stronger communication from the seniors to the juniors and there needs to be more seniors putting back into the juniors and, and showing them what it's like to play um, senior senior sport of any kind um, and bring them in that way. Um, I think that's the best way and uh, I think it's needed. I really think it is needed because it is starting to, to fall off a little bit. So, um, yeah. But that's what I would think that should be done. Yeah, and I think like the sports, especially in Weewall, soccer is such a big thing that combines like the seniors and the juniors. And as you said, like the football, like Narrabri Blue Bulls and everyone else from Weewall and like around here getting involved in those teams. But like some of my friends, they've been trying to organise cricket every single weekend for six weeks and they can't form a team, like no matter what they do. Yeah, cricket's a hard one because, and I have this discussion a lot with people, um, it's such a technical sport, so it's very hard to get juniors um, wanting to play it and stick around to play it because obviously it's in summer, it's hot, and you're there for three to six hours depending on what, what's going on. And it's a very technical sport. It's like tennis, um, you know, football, soccer, touch, you know, all those sports, it's run, kick, tackle it's Over a very a yeah it's yeah. a very simple sport to learn and it's a very fun action-packed sport whereas cricket is um is a tough one because there is times where there's a bit of a lull and stuff like that so that, that that's a tough one to get kids involved there, sh- there needs to be some sort of look into it especially the cricket around this region of, of what they can do to to get it going but i think more night games i think night games are really good um that sort of gets the crowd going and as I said, incorporating the juniors, you know, I think that what the Blue Boys do really good is they get the games where they're down the four, 14s or the under-12s yep. play after first grade. So they get the first grade boys to clap them on and to see their faces, it, you know, it really spurs them on. You know, it's something that they see and they, they really, you know, they'll go home and they'll talk about it, you know, like Jacob Nichols, you know, clap me on, the, the Blue Boys captain. You know, how crazy is that? That's what I want to do. Um, so I think that that should be, a, you know, a bit of a – recipe of how to to get the juniors up and running or keep them strong and even like the culture we have here probably in we will we doesn't have football anymore it used to have football but it doesn't have football i don't know yeah like why like should someone create football in we will like maybe that's what it it's missing is just more people you know people are time poor i totally get that but then we do like you know we do what we can do we go into schools and try and get them to play a little bit more than what they would be playing without our existence. We try and, you know, talk to the kids when they're younger, encourage their general health, fitness, well-being to make them, you know, maybe they're getting to 16 years old and they, and they just don't feel confident because they've not done it yet or they're not what they would say fit enough to do it or they don't feel like it mightn't be cool. Maybe it's just cooler to go to parties when you're 16 or 17, not to go to footy training. Maybe there's no responsibility to go to training and, and be a part of a team. Maybe they haven't 
got that culture sense to do those sort of things. Like I guess it's just that sort of stuff that's really important to start from a young age and, and encourage and, and be inspired by older people doing that. Role models, I guess, is yep. a big one. Um, being strong and feeling good is what's important. Uh, we are all built differently. What should young people remember when comparing themselves to others, both online and in real life? Don't compare yourself to others is the biggest thing. Um, yeah, I, everyone's different. Everyone has their their own story. Everyone has their own physique. Everyone has their own life, um, you know, and I, you should just never compare yourself to anyone. You should compare yourself to who you were yesterday and try and better yourself in the, the next day. I think that's the biggest thing. Um, and, yeah, I think social media has had a big, big reason behind all this self-image and, and, and people – comparing themselves which is um you know it's it's not a good thing it's not a good for, thing for your own mental clarity um and it's also not a good thing for the things that you'll do to try and obtain an image that you d- physically might not be able to do anyway because you've got a different body type or, or or you have different um stresses in your life or you you know a different lifestyle so my biggest thing would be do not compare yourself to anyone yeah and i mean social media is really really great for um, connecting with people, um, posting your photos, seeing what your friends are up to, shopping online, fashion ideas, but it's really, really bad for pretty much everything else yes. because no, like you're only seeing what they want you to see. You're only showing them the digital life of you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like I don't put much on social media, granted, but I don't definitely don't put like my really bad days on social media. And when some people do, maybe they're doing it authentically but likely they've edited it again like it is just so hard to compare yourself to another person's life but it's so influential it's just not programmed to deliver the right message yeah and it's so like overwhelming and overpowering especially for like young people I remember I was 13 14 15 and I had like struggled with the way my body looked and I remember for a month or six weeks, I ate chicken and sweet potato. That is all I ate because I was so fixated with having like the perfect physique and eating healthy. And now I look back and think like I always used to feel really dizzy and I wondered why. And now I look back and think you can eat healthy and you can enjoy yourself, but you still need to put the effort into how you want to make yourself feel Yeah, and feel about yourself. And I think that's the – Thing that you don't see on social media like you know you saying you were 13 14 15 like the person or people you saw were probably 25 for one so they've you know like their bodies a lot different at that age as what it was when they were 13 years old so that you know that's one factor that you already can't compete with so you're already climbing an uphill battle like yep. it's just it's not going to happen but you don't know that at that age it's so accessible it's so easy to see it's so in your face it is and there all the time. And it's so influential, as you said. That's why they're called influencers, influencers. because mm-hmm. they do do that. And, you know, not all of them are bad. There are some some good ones, but a lot of them um, are just total crap that yep. are just pushing their own agendas to for their benefit, you know. So, you know, and that one photo they put up, edited, they probably starved themselves for six weeks. They probably hated life just to get that one photo. Yep. Um, and they – push something like, oh, do this and you can look like me. No, yeah. no it's or, just completely wrong. Um, 
uh, yeah. Or follow like the keto diet or being a Victoria's Secret model <laughs> and putting yourself through that like I can't comprehend how people can do that. Yeah, social media can be great. Yeah. Like I love some things on social media and we post on social media and then you have access, particularly in, in the communities mm. we live in, you have access for things that suit you and like, you know, are of great value to you. So it can be really good. It's just being uh, wise enough or smart enough to know what's good and, and what's just complete rubbish. And how you can put it in your own perspective. Yeah, and I think that's why it's difficult with younger people because they don't have that comprehension skill set yet to know, like, you know, a Victoria's Secret model, I can't look like her because I'm 160-something centimetres. Like, she's 170 or 80. Yeah. Like, it's physically impossible for me to be a Victoria's Secret model yep. because I just don't have the height. But, like, so why should I behave like one? Why yep. should I train like one? Like, it just doesn't work like that. Everyone is different. I know. Um, what's some advice you would give to your teenage selves? Um, I think I would tell my younger self, and I'd hope she'd listen, to have more <laughs> self-confidence because there is a lot of deep regret coming from 16-year-old Ellie that had no self-confidence. And I think it's just really important. Like a lot of things that I would have done differently or a lot of things had I been confident in myself, I probably wouldn't have done at all. I I mean it can be contradicting. Like I've definitely learned from my mistakes and I am unfortunately one of those people that has to make them to learn from them. But, yeah, I think you just have to be confident. Like inse- an insecure young girl is a very, very tough battle to face. So I think, yeah, just being confident in yourself is really, really important. Mine would be to try and get yourself out of the – try and do things that's out of the box, you know, out of your comfort zone a lot more. Um, I think in this – in our community, we can be very, very wrapped up in just staying in the community and, Mm. and doing things that are in our bubble and that we feel comfortable with. And I was like that. Um, I'd say, you know, in regards to my sporting and stuff, I'd stick around because, you know, I did okay. But then going to New Zealand and being a small fish in a big pond, um, you know, it sort of took me by surprise a bit. So I think at an earlier or a younger age, if you can get yourself outside of your comfort zone more, um, that's not only going to give you confidence, but it's also going to um, make you fail and make you learn that failing is good. There's nothing wrong with that. I think a lot of things with our youth these days, they're scared to fail or they're scared of that failure, so they stay in their bubble. So we should be looking to get outside of our comfort zone and embracing that failure because we do grow from it, and that's when we you know, that's when we will succeed because we've learned from our failures. So that would be one thing I would have told my younger self. Um, hope you don't mind me asking, but what did you go – to New Zealand for you mentioned it twice. So I'm like, I've no idea. Oh, uh, I went over there and lived with, with, with my uncle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I went over there and played cricket um, when I was 18 for about 14 months. So, was that as an Australian team? No, or? I just I went over there with my uncle and then I started uh, training and and um, made a few sides and yeah, did quite well. But my uncle's a professional tennis coach, so he sort oh, of yeah. had that professional environment. So I yeah. didn't really. I've come from the bush. Going into that was a big. Yeah, change. big su- big change, big surprise. But um, yeah, I think I need it. I think it's helped me um, for now. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Um, you both work with young people and students all the time. What do you think some of the biggest issues they face are, and any ideas for how you can 
have a solution towards them. I think I see not all, but some kids that just have no direction. Like they're just not sure of what they're doing. And again, they're not confident in themselves. They're just uncertainty and and probably a lot of um, fear about what is my friend going to think. You can see some kids want to listen to you and they want to take on board what you're doing. And they do eventually, but you can see it really quickly, but it takes a while to crack them because first they want to know, will this be okay with my peers if I do what you want me to do? Like, should I, you know, like, and I mean, that happens with kids in general. It happens all through life. Like you never just do, yeah, you never do what someone's guiding you to do straight away. But I think, yeah, I see it more in younger kids is they're just very, very concerned about what the next person will think if they do choose to do that. And and just a lot of uncertainty. Like the biggest thing kids say to us, and I don't understand, but I'm hearing it so much more. When we ask them a question, they say, I don't know. Like they just don't even think about it. They mm-hmm. don't. They're so, un, so worried about saying the wrong thing that they won't say anything at all. That comes back to the failing. They're yep. scared of saying the wrong thing because um, I think they, you know, they're, they're going to get – bagged out by their peers or something like that. But, it, you know, we need to, we need to, and I, I said, like, as adults and people in positions that can, we need to be creating better environments for kids for them um, to become more confident and, you know, and give them more information because we've, we're in a position and, and other people in a position where they've gone through those years. Um, you know, Ellie's elaborating on not knowing what they're, where they're at and all that. Now, yeah, we want structure and stuff, but, not knowing what you're doing is okay as well, you know. When you're at 16, you might change your idea of what you want to do 15 times, you know. It just, that happens. So to have that confidence to to say, look, it's okay not to know where you're going, let's try and put some plans in place to try and help you with it, um, you know, things like that, just that information and education. We need to get across to, the, to our youth is, um, you know, it's okay to fail um, don't be scared of it. I feel, I see failure as if you're scared or if you have the fear of failing, that is failure in my eyes. Um, having a crack at something is not failing. Um, as I said, we do have the saying of you don't win or lose, you win and learn. So you need to embrace it and say if you get it wrong, what did you learn from it? That's good. Let's go back and, and, and do it again. Um, and you might fail a few more times, but if you're still willing to get back up, um, you, you're going to succeed. And if you look at all the great stories and all the great people in history, um, they've all failed at multiple stages in their in their life, but it's that willingness to keep going and not be scared of it and not shy away from it that has got them to where they are. I think a, an example that's well used is a development of a baby. Like when they try and crawl, they fall, they keep getting up crawling. When they walk, same thing. Everything a baby does, they have to fall down multiple times before they actually learn how to do it. So that's kind of grasping the concept of, yes, we have to fail to learn. So don't fear it. Embrace it. Yeah, that's a really good analogy. I didn't make that. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Ellie and Jake, for sharing your extensive and valuable knowledge with us today. We'd like to thank you guys for, like, all you've done for, like, We Will Narrow Rice Surrounds because you've definitely made an impact on kids and how they treat their bodies and how they fuel their bodies and their knowledge and understanding of how they can possibly do that um we hope our listeners learnt something thanks girls thank you very much plenty more to come yeah (laughs) Yeah, definitely thank you for listening to the good talk great mate podcast 
This podcast is proudly supported by the Ngarrabri Shire Council and funded by the New South Wales Government. If you or a mate needs help, check out our show notes for more helpful resources. If you or a mate is in crisis, please call Lifeline 13 11 14, Kids Helpline on 1800 55 1800 or on the Suicide Callback Service on 1300 659 467. Or you can talk about support available with your doctor or a local rural mental health coordinator. And mate, it'd be great if you subscribe, give us a follow, and share this episode with your friends. Catch you next time.